Good morning. Welcome all the visitors that are here this morning. I know that there are several of us that are traveling as well, so for those of you that are visiting, thank you for joining us. Um, it's an encouragement to us to have you with us, that you would take time out of whatever your plans are to be with us on this Lord's Day. Um, since you're visiting, it's, it should be said that um, we have, uh, the elders have laid the months with five Sundays in them. Uh, we've set them up so that on that fifth Sunday, which is today, one of the elders will present a lesson from God's Word uh, for the members here and certainly for visitors, hopefully that all will be edified and encouraged. And so uh, that's where we are for those that are visiting. I'm one of the elders uh, and I'm presenting a lesson that is my turn. Uh, this year as there are usually four months in the year that have five Sundays. There's three elders One of us gets to do that twice a year, but usually it means one time a year. We get an opportunity like this um, Outside other times when we might create other options um, So if you came here to hear Barry uh, I apologize you're hearing me instead um, and uh, I, if you're around next week, we would love to have you. If you're from the area, certainly come back and see us. And uh, Barry will be presenting a lesson next Sunday uh, morning and evening. Um, so we look forward to that. And for the benefit of all, as we kick into this lesson, we've been engaged in a um, study this year uh, on a quarterly basis uh, in some smaller groups that we've set up um, within the congregation focusing on a lot to do with what that passage was that John just read. Basically, everyone um, looking at their own abilities and talents and identifying uh, what role each of us as individual members can play in this local family of God's people. We're at the end of the year. We've got one more study left. It's coming up this Saturday. Um, and the theme that we've had this year are what are the challenges and opportunities of various groups within a local body of Christ. Um, this weekend we'll be studying um, uh, what are the challenges and opportunities facing leaders. So there is material prepared. Um, I'll say this again in the announcements, but uh, it's on the back table and I've already sent it out electronically. And we hope that the members here will make time to join us at one of those studies this Saturday in a home of one of the members. And if you're visiting, you're certainly welcome to join us at one of those if you'd like to. A passage of Scripture that we have used in that regard comes from the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to turn over to the book of Ephesians and look in chapter 4, Paul is writing in this, in this book a great deal about the church itself. And of course, that the church is made up as individu of individuals, as we'll speak about today. But in the context of, of all of what's being written in the book of Ephesians, when we come to chapter 4, he there's a change in the emphasis from all that God has provided to now in chapter 4. So what's our response? Uh, what is it that we should do? since we've now been, now better understand maybe by reading the first three chapters all that God has provided for us and done for us. Um, and one of the things that's said here is that um, at the beginning about all the ones that there are a very familiar passage to those that have studied the Bible. Um, it says in verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure 
of Christ's gift. And what is that gift? What follows is, a, is a, but a, a bit of a parenthetical statement. You have to skip down to verse 11 to actually pick up where that sentence proceeds. That each of us is given, uh, that to given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's a lot that could be said about that section. There's so, it's so rich and so deep as is most of the Word of God when we come to, this, to passages like this where there's just so much packed in there. The one thing I want you to focus on this morning is, what is it that Christ gave these things to the church to accomplish? He gave apostles and prophets, shepherds and teachers, what does verse 12 say? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Again, there's so much more we could take out of this passage, but I want you to focus on that section of this passage this morning as we talk about what does it mean to be a member of the church, of a local church. Barry recently presented lessons on some of the differentiation between God's church, the universal church, the church that um, has existed since it was instituted in the first century on the day of Pentecost, that God, when those people were baptized, added members to. That church is universal. That church is, is everywhere. It is in all time since that time. It's not based on location. It's not based on this time. So when we believe and respond to what God has offered through His Son and we're baptized, that blood unites us with Christ in His death and His burial and His resurrection. We look forward to that. We just, part of what we just did in partaking the Lord's Supper is to remember that, to be thankful for that. But then there's this thing that we have here called, or viewed, as a local church. So what's that all about? And what does it mean to be a member of a local church? I had John read from 1 Corinthians, if you'd like to turn over there, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where I'd like to start this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
Starting in verse 14, John said, Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, Because I'm not an if an ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as He wanted. And if they were all the same part, then where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 27, if you'll skip down to that verse, says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. In this passage, Paul is comparing the human body in this physical world to what it means to be a part of a spiritual body, the church, Christ's body. Your version, although mine says part, your version, if you're reading from a different version of the New Testament, might say, in fact, member instead of part. That each of us are a member of the body, not a part of the body. They're the same. What does that word member mean? I mean, it's an interesting word to me because we use it in society all the time in different ways. Someone might say, well, I'm a member of the YMCA. Someone else might say, I'm a member of Planet Fitness. Getting away from the healthy side, someone might say, I'm a member of the Donut of the Day Club. Sign me up for that. That doesn't exist or I probably would be a member of that. Um, others might say, I'm a member of the, a, a Book of the Month Club. Or I'm a member of the PTA, where my kids go to school. Or if you're a lawyer and you practice in a court of law, if you try cases, you need to be a member of the bar. Or you can't try cases in a court of law. Most of the people here would probably say, I'm a member of the Woodland Hills Church of Christ. Are all of those the same? Is being a member of the Book of the Month Club the same as being a member of the Church of Christ, of a local church? So what do you get, and what are you when you're a member of the Book of the Month Club? Just using that as an example. You send in your dues, you pay the bill, and what do they do for you? Well, they send you books. Is that what it means to be a member of a local church? Do you pay your dues, and in return, do you get something from the church? That relationship with the Book of the Month Club and all those other things that I pretty much talked about are, are consumer-driven. We're consuming something in those relationships. We pay something, we get something that we utilize. Is that what church is? Do we come and pay our dues and in return we get something from in the church? Is it a one-way, basically, relationship? I think some look at the church that way. They make their judgments about whether or not they want to affiliate with a particular church based on what they get out of it, don't they? Sometimes even we will leave an assembly like this and on the way home we'll say, well, I didn't get much out of that today. We're talking like consumers. 
when we talk like that. That's a worldly perspective. It is not the same as what God had in mind when he said we are to be members of Christ's body. So it seems to me it would be important or time well spent for us to consider what does it mean to be a member. Um, let's start by looking in the book of Acts. If you would turn to Acts chapter 2. If we're to define what it is to be the member of a local church, I think it's always wise to look in the scriptures and maybe even wiser if we look at what happened with the church when it first began. What did those members consider it to be when they were members of the church? So in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 41, the Bible says, So those who accepted the message were baptized. They're talking about Peter's and the rest of the apostles' message on the day of Pentecost. That led to the baptism of those who said when they realized that they'd crucified Christ or were responsible for Christ being crucified, what should we do? And his response was, Repent. You need to change. And you need to be baptized. And in verse 40, 40, 41 it says that those who accepted his message were baptized. And on that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And then the, the very next verse records what they did. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. When the church was first established, the members were focused on four things. First, they were interested in the apostles' teaching. They didn't have a written or electronic version of God's Word. The apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit and they spoke the truth and so the members of that first church were very interested in what the apostles had to say. And so they were focused on their teaching. It should be no different for us today. We don't have apostles living with us today, but we have their word living with us today. We should be just as focused and just as interested in what the apostles have to teach today as those members were in that first local group. They were also interested in the breaking of bread, that is the Lord's Supper, because they were committed to remembering on a regular basis what the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus meant to them. And they did not want to overlook that. And it was uniting opportunity for them. They shared that in common. It was something that they all had accepted, responded to, and been immersed to where. And they remembered that with each other so as to remind themselves what great blessing they shared because of the death of a Savior. They were devoted to prayer. They offered up petitions to God and they offered up thanksgiving. They also knew that walking the life of a Christian was not something that they could just do on their own. That they needed God's help. That the path 
of following the Savior who was a suffering Savior was going to mean that a Christian would walk a path of being a suffering Christian, persecuted. The life of a Christian was never intended to look as if it would be an easy road. Jesus taught that the path was wide and the, and, and the gate was wide and the path was broad on which most people would walk because that'd be the easy road. But the path of salvation would be um, narrow. The gate would even be narrow because few would choose it because it was not promised to be easy. And so they prayed and they were thankful for what God had provided them. And they knew they needed his help. And I know I did this out of order, but I did it out of order on purpose. But they also were devoted to fellowship with each other. You know what that word means? Fellowship? It means they were committed to being a family. They were devoted to the relationship that Christ had established in each one of them. And they were committed to the relationship with other people with whom Christ had established the same relationship. That same common thing they enjoyed in the partaking of the Lord's Supper was something that they were devoted to maintaining and enjoying on a regular basis. And so look what the Bible shares with us in a few verses later. If you skip down to verse 46, it says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to their number those that were being saved. Notice that their lives were changed by this new relationship they had with a Savior. And they had new relationships with people whose lives were also changed by a relationship with the Savior. And it was something that spilled over into every facet of their daily life. It wasn't just something that happened on the first day of the week. They were involved in each other's lives. I appreciate the songs that Michael picked out this morning because they spoke to a lot of those aspects of being involved in other people's lives. In Acts chapter 5, when we skip ahead a little further, in Acts chapter 5, You know, I'll have to admit to you, this is a Bible that I've had for, wow, maybe 20 years. But probably in the last five years, I've changed over to an electronic <laughs> iPad-based Bible that I have highlighted in. I have so many electronic, and guess what I did? I left it in Oklahoma. <laughs> and I tell you, it's a funny story how come I left it. I put it somewhere where I would not forget it, and then... Uh, well, another story for another time, yeah. Um, so here I am waiting for my wife to get here from Oklahoma a week later using my old Bible. And I'm telling you, flipping to scriptures, it's taking me longer than it used to. I tell you, I'm out of practice because like, I'm so used to punching a couple numbers and bang, that scripture comes up. So I apologize. I just had to tell you because I'm flipping and going, wow, it's taking me forever to get to this passage. And I just added a couple minutes to it. Acts chapter 5. Let's go back to where we were. If we, if we look at what, was they were, what they started in Acts chapter 2, look what was happening in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together 
in Solomon's colonnade. Now, your translation may say, say that they were all with one accord in Solomon's colonnade. And that's the idea. Not so much that they were all together, but that they were all united. They were of the same mind. They, they were intent on the same purpose. They were joined together in a very tight-knit group. That everything else in their lives became secondary. What I'm trying to see, get you to see that is if we could define what it means to be a member of a local church, I would say this. It means being joined to a spiritual family, being closely knit in a local spiritual body. If I were to put it in the simplest of terms, I would say being the member of a local church means that you have a real relationship with a local group of people, a real relationship, potentially an eternal relationship. And so, as we look at how that ties into then what are my responsibilities, Turn over to Acts, or back to Acts, or, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where John read earlier, it says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. Consider the responses that we sometimes get when people are asked if they're a member of a church. I mean, if we just ask somebody on the street, are you a member of a church? I remember when I first moved here, four years ago when we first moved here, it was remarkable to me. I'd never lived in, the, in a place like Tennessee. I'd never lived in the southeast, uh, per se, um, in what many call the Bible Belt. Certainly, I'd never lived in a place where there were as many churches as there are here in my whole life. I've always lived in the west or in the Midwest, and there just aren't that many. And I just, it was remarkable to me that when I first moved here, I would go to a store and I would buy some groceries and then I would, I'd write a check or something and they'd see the address on that check or whatever was from Minnesota. And they'd say, oh, you're from Minnesota. And I'd say something like, yeah, I just moved here. I cannot tell you how many times someone said to me, have you found a church yet? I, I mean, I was taken aback the first time I, I was asked that question by a clerk in a store. It had never happened to me in my whole life. But I don't know what she meant by that. I mean, I told her, yes, I was visiting some, that I had a good idea of where I would like to maybe go and people I'd want to be with. But if we ask someone on the street, what does it mean to be a member of the church? Someone might say, well, I'm on the roster over at such and such. Or I'm in the email directory. I get emails with the bulletin when it comes out. So I'm a member, I'm, I'm a member there. Or my picture's on the back wall. I'm a member there. Is that what it means to be a member of a local church? Does that define membership? 
I think Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about the human body being fully functional by all of its parts, his emphasis is being, is, is the, the emphasis being made there by Paul is that the human body was designed by God to achieve a particular purpose. It can function without the, all the parts, but not like God designed it. It's handicapped. Does that mean it can't do anything? No. But compensations need to be made. And although we can see that in the physical world, sometimes we may not appreciate that in the church. Paul is trying to say there that being a member of a local church is more than just having your name in a roster, your name in a directory, your name in an email address so that you get all the publications that come out from that group of people, your picture on a board in the back. It's more than that. It means that you should be a functioning part of that body. You're not a consumer. You're also doing something. Whatever that might be. And we can't all be an eye. We can't all be an ear. We can't all be a hand or a foot or whatever it might be. But we need someone to be the eye someone to be the ear, someone to be the nose, and someone to be the feet, and someone to be the hands, etc., etc. And this whole year has been focused on helping each of us figure out which part are we, which part am I. And some of us can be more than one part because we just, God has blessed us with those abilities. And as we come to the end of this year, we look back on the things that we've talked about. Have you thought about what your role is, what your part is, and are you fulfilling that? Have you looked around and have you seen people in the group that could be doing more because you see the potential talent that they have that's just not being used? And have you become an encouragement to them or even a mentor to them? If you would turn over to the book of 1 Peter, I want to close the lesson with a few points about, again, what does it mean to be a member? What are some of the things that are included in that? In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says this about a local church. Therefore, I urge the elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness, nor yet as domineering over those assigned to your care, but proving to be examples to the flock. It's part of God's design for a local church that there be men who are responsible for being shepherds of a local congregation. Their primary responsibility is to make sure that just like a shepherd with the sheep, their responsibility is to make sure the sheep are all okay. Primary responsibility of the shepherds of a local church are, none the di are not any different. They're just to, uh, to make sure that all the members in that local church are okay. So when you join a local church, you're agreeing 
to support that group of men who've been chosen to fulfill those roles. A few verses later in, in verse 5, Peter writes, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so being a member of the local church means that I look at the elders and I say, I'm okay with their leadership. I agree with letting them lead me. But this verse here says something different. It teaches that being a member of a local church means that I allow other members to also watch over me. Other believers who share the same relationship with Christ as I do, who share the same hope that each of us has to have an eternal relationship with God in heaven, and who care enough about me that they're helping me too. And so as a local, as a member of a local church, you will be in both of those sides of that equation. You'll be looking at other members and looking at how you might be able to help them. And they may be looking at you and helping you in your walk with Christ. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught up in, an, in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a, spirit, in a spirit of gentleness, each one of you looking to yourself so that you're not tempted as well, but bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The, the ladies in this local family here recently had a two-day retreat where they talked about bearing burdens. And although the focus was on casting our burdens on the Lord... I know for a fact that they had to have discussed how does that look from sister to sister, from member to member. Become a mem becoming a member is not about just having your name in a directory or a picture on a wall or even coming and seeing what I can get out of the assembly. It's about having a spiritual relationship with other people who are watching out for you and you are watching out for them. It's more than a place to hang your name. It means you've joined a family that's been tied together by the blood of Christ, by the promises of God, as revealed in the truth given to us through the Holy Spirit. So, let's finish with asking three pretty simple questions. Do I absolutely have to join a local church? <laughs> I think you would know my, my obvious answer is going to be yes, absolutely. But rather than take my word for it, um, I think we should look at where we've been in the scripture already. In 1 Corinthians 12, again, where John read earlier, verses 18 through 21, it says that as it is, God has arranged 
each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We can't say, I don't need to be a part of a local body because I don't need anybody else. We can't function that way. The church can't function that way. And you as an individual can't function that way. Nobody here, and I mean this without exception, nobody here can on their own do everything that God intended for the church to do. You cannot do it all on an island, by yourself, isolated from any other Christians. And so you must join a local church for the church to accomplish what God designed it to do and for you to be the Christian that God wants you to be. In Ephesians chapter 11, this is such an important fat passage for me. In Ephesians chapter 11, Paul writes this. This was in, now, I gave you some context for Ephesians chapter 3. He just got through talking about the difference, the, the barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles and how God had broken down that barrier. And that through the blood of Christ, through the sacrifice of Jesus, they became one. They became united in this family, this spiritual family. There was no more a difference between Jews and Gentiles. They were all Christians. And so he writes this in verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. What was in accordance with the eternal purpose? Was it God's eternal purpose that you be saved? That your sins would be, have a mechanism through his son? That God send his son so your sins could be taken away? Was it God's eternal purpose that you be seen and have a way to be viewed by Him as holy even though we are not? So that one day he can, have, he can have a relationship with us right now and we can pray to Him without hindrance and we can have a relationship with Him in heaven because we've been made holy through His Son and through His blood. Was that God's eternal purpose? Yeah, absolutely. But is that all this verse teaches in the context of Ephesians chapter 3? He never intended for Christians to be by ourselves. God's eternal purpose included the church. That's what this verse is teaching. Must I join a local church? If you want to be a part of the plan of God's salvation for your soul then yes, you need to be a member of a local church. It's as much a part of the plan for God's salvation that we be united in this kind of fellowship as it was for Him to send His Son to die on the cross. The gifts that God gave us in His plan of salvation are the, His Son on the cross and the church. And when Christ says in the next chapter, in Ephesians chapter 4, so what gifts did Christ give the church? That's where you read about 
the apostles and the prophets and the shepherds and the teachers. Must I be a member? Absolutely, and I would add to my answer emphatically, with emphasis. So what does that involve? Well, it's interesting because the Bible is completely silent on what does it take to join a local church? How do we do that? There's no outline in the scriptures. There's no process that's defined in the Bible. It's not there. We here choose to meet with anyone who shows an interest in wanting to be a part of this work. The elders get together with that individual, and we talk to them about what it is that they um, are thinking that they're joining. There's no list of questions for the elders to ask someone in that situation. There's no list of questions in the Bible for you to come and ask the elders in order to make your decision. It's the way we do it here. If you went somewhere else, they'd probably do it differently. That's the process that we follow. But once you are a member of the group, I think it's critically important that we consider um, what has to happen at that point. In Acts chapter 9, verse 18 through 22, I don't have these scriptures in that, my outline, but let me read them to you. This is about Saul before he was the apostle Paul. When he was first converted on the road to Damascus, um, he waited three days in Damascus to be told what it was that he would do. And it says in verse 18 of Acts chapter 9, at once something like scales fell from his eyes and he, re he regained his sight. And he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here? And didn't he come here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Appreciate what Paul does when he first becomes a Christian. He's baptized, his sins are washed away, and the first thing he does is eat. Some of you are sitting here going, man, when's he going to be done? Because I'm getting hungry. But after he ate, what was the first thing that he did? He went and joined himself to the local group in Damascus. And I would say that because he did that, he became better at defending that Jesus was the Messiah by being around those individuals. And we talked about in class that Adam led this morning about how the people in Philippi participated in what Paul was doing after he became an apostle. The things that they shared together in the work of God's kingdom. All those experiences made Paul better at what he was doing. Later in that same chapter, after the people in Damascus threatened Paul's life, he runs, he's, he's rescued and runs, I shouldn't say runs, he goes to Jerusalem. And in verse 26 it says, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since, he did not, since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him into the, to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had boldly spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. 
I want you to notice that Paul, the first thing he tried to do when he got to Jerusalem was join a local group of Christians. And at first he couldn't do that because of his reputation. And so here's what I want you to notice about the next thing that I would say about what exactly does that involve. It involves being recognized by the group. Paul, or Saul at the time, was desirous of joining the group in Jerusalem. The group in Jerusalem said, wait a minute, isn't this the guy? And it took some time and some conversations with Saul for the people to be comfortable with the fact that he was a changed man, that he was one of them, and that he wanted to work with them, and that he had a zeal for doing more for the Lord than he had ever done against the Lord. And so, he was recognized by the group. The same thing needs to happen today. If you're interested in joining a local church, you need to be recognized by that church and accepted. And all I mean by that is welcomed with open arms into the fight against Satan and in helping each other. Secondly, it means being present with the group. This is my second to last point, by the way. If you're going to be a part of the local church family, you need to be there. You need to be here. You know, since COVID, we've had opportunities to work remotely. Some of us can work remotely full-time. Some of us are in a hybrid role where we're remote some of the time and we work in the office some of the time. Some of us still are in occupations that there's no choice as such as doctors where it's in person. There's no such thing in the Bible as being a remote member of a local church. And I could give so many examples of why this just doesn't make sense in other parts of our lives. For those of you that are in school, when the school year ends and you go home for the summer, are your relationships with all of your school friends that you were in class with for eight or nine months, are they the same over the summer as they were when you were together? And some of you smarty pants are going to say, well, I get together with the ones I really want to have a relationship with, so with those, yeah. And you make my point. We can't have the relationship with the full body, with all the eyes and the ears and the hands and the feet and the body, if we're selective in when we are with those people. We need to be present. If you're in a, a long-distance romance, are you happy with that? Is that where you want that to be? Are you good being hundreds of miles apart? No. That doesn't work, does it? If you're married, if a husband comes to a wife or a wife comes to a husband and says, hey, honey, I love everything about our relationship. I am so happy. There's nothing about our marriage that I can complain about. But I really want to have a remote marriage. So I'm going to move to Colorado. You can stay here in Tennessee, and everything will just be great. And you are saying, sure, there's no difference. Right? 
So as a local, so as a member of a local church, you can't be a remote member and be what God designed you to be or for the church to be what he designed it to be. The last point, oh, I just want to read this. Just recently I heard somebody say that Alcoholics Anonymous during the COVID stopped meeting in person for quite a while. They started having all their meetings online. If you know what Alcoholics Anonymous are, it's a small group of people that are dedicated to the purpose of helping each other out to avoid addictions that they've had in the past. They're serious about not slipping backward into whatever that addiction might have been. And they rely on the support they get in these small groups. And they meet in person, and if you're not there, you're checked on by your sponsor. But they kept meeting remotely during COVID. And after a while, some experts started taking some opinions and looking at some results, and here's what they wrote. I thought this was fascinating. The participants in Alcoholics Anonymous said two things. We found that when we were meeting remotely rather than meeting in person, we were not as accountable as we were when we met in person. Number two, we found that when we were meeting remotely as opposed to in person, there was a lack of emotional connection. Is that what God wants in His church? A lack of accountability and an absence of an emotional connection? They did have one positive thing, one positive result. They concluded that meeting remotely really helped everybody maintain their own anonymity. It was easier to be anonymous when we were remote. Again, is that what God wants in His church? Meeting remotely is not possible. Being a remote Christian is not possible. I understand that there are people who just can't be here physically. I understand that. I, I am not insensitive to the fact that there are people who physically cannot be here. There are exceptions. But I'll bet you if you ask them if they could be here, they would be here. And I think they would scoff at people who say, who make a choice not to be with other Christians when they could be, when they're in a position that they can't be and they would love to be. I think they would say that we don't know what we're missing. And so my last point is this. If you're going to be a member of a local congregation, of a local church, you need to be involved with the group. You need to take advantage of the opportunities to be together with the people in the group. Yes, that means when we assemble here in this building, but it also means when we assemble for other opportunities. There are groups that get together among this group that study the Bible in smaller in smaller groups. When you're invited to those, you should take advantage of those, if at all possible. There are other things we do that aren't about studying the Scriptures, but are just about getting together, as they did in Acts when they ate together and shared their meals together. We do that too. So when you're invited to join in those things as a member of the local church, you should do that as well. The point of this being we are all part of the body that God designed to be the church. And just as He designed the body to be functional, to achieve a purpose, He designed the church 
to be the same, functional and to achieve a purpose. Each of you, if you have joined a local church, are part of that body. We need you. We need you to do what God has given you the ability to do. We need you to help others discover their abilities and use them. Do I think that there are gaps in this church that could be filled? I do. Are we doing what we can? We are. Are we doing the best we can? You know, that might be next year's theme. I haven't talked to the other elders, but I've thought about this for over a year. What would it look like if we were giving our best in all that we did? Food for thought. I apologize for this lengthy message. I, I actually rehearsed this yesterday and I thought I'm going to have trouble getting this in. Um, but it's my occasion to talk to you from the heart about what the theme of this year has been. And I hope that you've grown in the studies that we've had on a quarterly basis. And in some small way, I hope that you've gotten something out of this message. Thank you for your patience. Um, and for those of us that are members here, thank you for all you do. This is an encouragement to just do all you can. And I so appreciate, and I know I speak for the other elders, we appreciate all that people do here in this local family. We have a great group. We do. It's an honor to serve you. If you're not a member of the church and you'd like to join uh, God's family, we certainly can make that happen. Um, if you'd like to join this family, we'd love to talk to you afterward about uh, your interests. Uh, but if there's any way we can help you before you leave this morning, let me know as we come, as we stand and we sing.